Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. All right, family. Well, we have a little bit of a special episode for you today. We're talking with some of our best friends, Zach and Megan. Uh, Matt's here with me, too. Hey, guys. And uh, we're just going to be talking. We want to acknowledge um, a lot of there's a lot of pain right now in the world. And we thought it would be really hopefully fruitful to have a healthy conversation about that. So we invited our friends Zach and Megan on. Zach, Megan, tell us, tell everybody a little bit about you. You have the floor. Go for it, Megan. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm Megan. And gosh, Jordan and Matt, thank you so much for, first of all, having Zach and I on here. Um, I'm married to Zach. Actually, we have just celebrated our eight-year wedding anniversary. We met in college. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Let the good times roll. Um, I'm a black woman, and my husband is a handsome white man, and uh, we come from very different um, just cultural experiences I would say I grew up um in northern Virginia in the Washington DC area and um also was a part of just a very diverse community um but most importantly I am a follower of Jesus Christ um he saved me at a young age and um I just have so much hope and joy in just the the life that he has allowed me to live. Um, also, God has blessed us with three beautiful children um, that are six, four, and one. And um, I also am very, very passionate about um, worship and not only music, but living a lifestyle um, of worship, which, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever giftings uh, the Lord has given us using it for his kingdom and for his glory. So that's a little bit about me. And if you guys remember, Megan has been on this podcast before. (laughs) So you might recognize her if you've listened for a little while. (laughs) She is the best. Yeah. So I am her lesser half. Uh, My name is Zach Duke. I have not been on here before, but great friends with Matt and Jordan. Just uh, love them so, so much and has been just a blessing. One of the greatest blessings in the last several years just getting to run in life with them and and meg and i we could not be really any more different than we are i grew up 
you know, I'm like a fifth, sixth generation farmer uh, in the cornfields of Indiana <laughs> and, and love it. Like I, I love the upbringing being out in rural area um, and, and God's mysterious ways. You know, now I am a missionary working in 130 different countries and I've given my life to um, study different cultures, different people groups, different, different ethnic groups. Um, and that's really what I studied in college too, was intercultural studies, which was massively challenging as it like stripped me of my, um, Americanism or ethnocentrism, not, not as far as being an American, but seeing through the lens of America being, uh, you know, the, the ultimate or the prime, hmm. uh, you know, and seeing instead through a kingdom lens and, and learning to see the good and the struggles in every culture. And, and so it's been such a blessing to see the world through that lens and, and mainly come with many more questions than I do with the answers. But I've given my life to seeing the kingdom of God come through disciple-making movements through many, many different cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, for us, that's one of the things we love about you guys is not only how unified you are as a unit and as a family, you know, and how much you treasure and actually cherish the different backgrounds that have made you who you are. Um, but also the work that you're doing to, um, unite the kingdom of God and look at through all, all of this through such a kingdom lens. And I think that's, that's a difficult thing to do in many ways. Um, kind of like you said, Zach, it's, um, it kind of strips you of maybe what you've known or what was familiar. And so knowing that you've done a lot of that work and have studied a lot of that is um, not only admirable, but also challenging, I think, to many of us who are in a place of um, seeking to learn in many ways. Um, So anyways, just wanted to point that out. But we have a lot I think we're going to dig into today um, and just chat about. And we want this to just be an open conversation and so I think maybe maybe the best place to start from there is, um, Megan, when we were talking before we even started recording, you shared a little bit of kind of what some good that you've seen coming out of all that's going on in the world in that conversations that are being started and, and things at, from your perspective and some beauty that you've seen. And I would just love if you could share what's God teaching you? What are you experiencing? What has this been like for you and what can you and how can we learn from that? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um this last week and a half for me has honestly been one of the most difficult um, weeks for me. Mm-hmm. And gosh, my, sorry, my feelings have just been, it's been like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy. Cause at the beginning of last week, I, I actually had my family, um, drive 11 hours from Virginia to Indiana. I hadn't seen them since mm. Thanksgiving. We were planning to see each other in March. And of course, everything with the pandemic happened and we weren't able to. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, that was on Tuesday of last week where I had my mom, my dad, my brother and sister, and we were, you know, just enjoying each other and having a great time. Mm. And then um, the tragedy happened, I think it was on Wednesday. And to be honest, I was kind of out of the loop um, for most of the day because we were just out and about enjoying each other. And um, when I finally caught wind of it, um, it it really hit me like a ton of bricks. And Mm -hmm. I think like most of us, um, really all of us, this just hit different Mm -hmm. this time. And I think that the blessing of 
I don't know, God's timing. Oh my gosh. And his sovereignty and the fact that I got to be surrounded by, um, you know, my, my mm-hmm. black family members, mm-hmm. um, was really such a blessing. And, um, we were able to just dialogue and to just share our pain with each other and, um, support each other and all this pray together. Um, and, yeah, really just allow ourselves to feel and to um, allow our eyes to be open to a very tragic and harsh reality um, that, you know, black people face not just a couple times a, a year, you know, just because it blows up on, on social media or, or the news or whatever, but, you know, experiences that my, my black brothers and sisters are experiencing every single day in America. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think that's as horrible. I mean, you just, you can't justify um, what we saw with just the the killing Mm -hmm. of of George Floyd. But I see also um, how God has allowed for darkness to be exposed by light. And in that, I have really been able to find hope. And that's what, you know, my prayer has been is that God would give me spiritual eyes to see what he is doing, because I truly believe that what the enemy plans for evil, that God can turn around for good. Hmm. And I don't know if we're quite there yet, but I will say I am having, you know, in the last week, I've had more conversations with my white friends Mm -hmm. um, about racial injustices and finding reconciliation and finding solutions and asking questions and, um, you know, for my, my white friends more so than I ever have in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, literally just last night, Zach, if you remember when I came downstairs from the call that I had with a dear um, friend of mine, um, just how joyful I was mm-hmm. because, you know, it just being able to be real and be honest, have someone who was willing to listen to me in humility, who showed me compassion, you know, and, um, and love, um, that, that really did just (laughs) make me want to leap for Mm. joy. So, um, yeah, Mm. it's, it's been a very, very interesting time and, um, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing that. Seriously. Go ahead, Zach. I think you were just starting. Yeah. You know, and as, as, uh, the one white person in my household for the last week with all, you know, a lot of my in-laws there, um, you know, from a much different perspective, getting to literally watch pain, mm-hmm. you know, to, to feel that pain. And instead of mm-hmm. trying to give words or to give comfort, just to just sit in that and mm-hmm. let that wash over me. Cause I don't understand. I can't feel like they feel, I'm not going to pretend like I can, you know, I, I'm doing my best out of God's grace to come to this humbly and listen <laughs> and ask questions. And it was a blessing for me just to, to sit in those conversations, to sit in those prayers, to let them talk about their pain. And, you know, I, I had several, I played college football as well. And, you know, and I have a lot of black friends, black teammates, and I got to talk to uh, several of them during this time. Some even reached out to me and the responses, you know, a a lot of them were the, the deepest pain they've ever felt. And, real anger some of them even saying i'm just really angry towards white people Hmm. 
And I'm thankful that I was that I was a safe place for him to say that to me, you know, because there, there's a difference between your reaction to something and then your response to something. And I'm thankful that, yes, I, I can validate that response and that pain, that reality and to say, you know what, that that's actually justified and allow him to wrestle with that tension of then taking those reactions to God yeah. and letting God work through that and speak to that. And, and one thing that was encouraged me in these times is, is also their encouragement to me of like, when I'm asking questions and Zach, what you've been doing over the last decade is mm-hmm. actually the answer. Like keep doing what you're doing, keep asking the questions, keep building the relationships, mm-hmm. keep inviting, you know, to the table and, and, and being that, that voice. And so I'm thankful for that too, that, um, you know, they're, they're even seeing to me as that type of person, which I didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to advocate for, but mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still thankful that those relationships in the trenches have been built where we are now brothers. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's I, right. I, I've had a similar experience with that, Zach, just as, you know, the, the culture shock for me coming to a division one football program, and I'm from a, a, my you know my neighborhood. I, there were no black kids in my neighborhood, and so just that that immersion and exposure to different cultural backgrounds, like you you don't realize how narrow your field of view is until you mm. are around people who are different than you. Mm. Um, yeah, like my I I still keep in touch with my two of my uh, black roommates in college. You know, it, it's like these these relationships that you build over time, Zach, that you said that when you go through these trials, whether it's really tough workouts or really tough losses, or even the the highs of wins together, like that, those experiences bond you in a way that I I think so many people can't grasp because they haven't been to those depths. You know, the other example of that is you, you look at soldiers in combat, like black, white, Hispanic, Asian, when you go through the, the depths of combat, which are even deeper mm-hmm. than what Zach, you and I went through as athletes, <laughs> far deeper, incomparable. Right. But those relationships are that are forged in blood, sweat, and tears are mm. un- unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, it's, a, it's an anomaly mm. because if you look at American culture, you still see, yes, official segregation isn't a thing, Mm -hmm. but you do see segregated neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. um, just like de facto segregation. And even within the church, Mm -hmm. the church is guilty Mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think this whole scenario has really forced everybody to take a step back and say, hmm, am I loving my neighbor? Mm -hmm. And what what does it mean to love my neighbor? Mm -hmm. And what does that that look like in action? you, you say, yeah, like, and not just to say I love my neighbor, but to act on it mm-hmm. because it be a neighbor, right? To be a neighbor. It's like, it's Jesus says there will come a time when many of you will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not heal people? But did you, and Jesus says away from me, I never knew you. So you can, you can talk the talk, but there's a sacrifice mm-hmm. in getting to know somebody. It requires yes. you to pause your life yeah. and to look around and not just focus on what you're doing. Mm. And 
also Zach, to your point about being with Megan and her family in this time of mourning and sorrow, I think as a culture in our modern society, you see, we, 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 we view pain and sorrow as a bad thing. When in reality, that grief is a part of the healing process. Hmm. And not to say any, anything that happened was good, but I, I think Zach, I don't know if you can talk into this anymore, but just to see like your perspective, Hey, this is a grief that I can empathize to on a certain level. I mean, like I'll make this comparison. I don't, this isn't to downplay anything, but when we went through a miscarriage a few months ago, I felt as bad as I could feel regarding the situation, but I didn't feel as bad. I wasn't wrecked like Jordan was wrecked, Mm. but to see that open my eyes to a different level of Mm. love I hadn't known. Mm. Yes. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's just my two cents. Yeah. You know, some things that come to my mind, um, it's very easy even for white people to react when we see reactions of our, of our black brothers and sisters. And, and it reminds me of this time when I was playing basketball and my friend went up for a layup and came down and his shoulder came out of socket, you know, and, and he, st- he started cussing. And we were in a church, and the ref tells him to stop cussing. Hmm. And I said, sir, his shoulder's out of socket. Don't tell him to stop cussing. He is in pain right now. Right. And, and so it's very easy for us to point at people when mm. they're in the middle of their wound and saying, how could you act like this? Exactly. How can you respond like this? Instead of saying, oh, my goodness, that person's bleeding. Let's help them. Right. Right. And, and so, so it's, it's this, this term called lament. Hmm. that we have largely left out of of church and the, the body of Christ. That's a huge component um, in Scripture and the lives of, of, of the church. And it's this idea of mourning and confession and crying out and sorrow, which was just as much as a validated response as praise and hope. Hmm. In fact, hmm. like the book of Psalms, the whole like first half of the book of Psalms is more lament than it is praise. And then the second half of the book of Psalms is more praise than it is laments. But it provides like this really um, you know, unique model that is showing that they entered into so much lament and so much sorrow and so much crying out. They didn't start with the praise. They didn't start with the solution. They didn't start with the hope. But as they entered into that pain, let that pain washed over them, take the reactions and take it to God and beg and plead for the response in the middle of the wounding. God brought healing, hmm. you know, and so, so as a, as a white person, I just, I want to say like genuinely from my heart to my, the whole black community and my wife and family and everybody, like we hear you, we hear the pain, we see the bleeding, we saw the murder mm-hmm. of George Floyd and it was evil and we are with you. We don't have the answers, but we hear you mm-hmm. even in the riots that the wounding, we hear you, we see the pain. And we are sorry, and we want to do everything we can with a united, reconciled voice to come back to the unity that Jesus died for. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is, it is so worth it. And so I just, I, I just want to even just say that that lament and that's viewing our brothers and sisters, whether it's out of socket or wounded badly, 
like we don't want to come against any of that. We just want to say we hear you and and what happened was so beyond wrong. And we want to see Jesus bring healing and reconciliation. And we love, 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 love the black community. And we honor the black community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. I just want to echo that too. Um, you know, I think, and Zach, you can just, you said it so well. Um, but the, I think I, we've seen a lot of, you know, um, I think there's a lot of what's what feels like division existing right now, right? We can, we've all seen that on social media, whether it's in a comment section, whether it's in the mainstream media, whatever it is. Um, and I think taking a perspective of humility is the greatest challenge to those of us who have to be honest about not being able to fully understand. Would you agree with that? Yes. It's good. Um, another thought that I have, or one other thing I wanted to just say briefly, um, kind of in, in light of that, um, and around the, the topic of lament, um, it kind of reminds me of, well, and not only lament, but also what you guys were sharing about um, bonding, right? And um, being there with one another in both the lament and the joy, um, whether it was a loss and a win, whether it was a basketball game or whether it's through something like this. Um, it reminds me of the experience that, um, we got to just like as a friend being there for Judah's birth, right. And getting to, for, uh, for me getting to photograph that and being part of both the lament or the pain and the immediate joy that came with that. That was something I think that I've never shared with another friend, to be honest. And it, I feel like those types of experiences where you go through the lowest lows or the deepest pain, or at least can it be in the same room, even if you're not physically feeling the pain or emotionally feeling the exact level of pain to be there with someone and then to be there in those moments of joy. It's like, that's the, that's the type of bond um, that I believe Jesus gives us. And one thing that I felt so strongly about was I wanted to hear from both of you on just how is, I mean, there's so many thoughts that I have, but I feel like whether it was childbirth or whether it's the bonding of a brother or laying down your life for a friend or showing up in one another's pain, like that ultimately is a picture of the gospel. And as we talk about having king, a kingdom minded lens, not only toward the current situation happening in our world, but just the pain and, and, and one another as brother and sister. Um, can we just talk about that? Can we just talk about the gospel and where that comes into how that how that is relevant and so relevant right now and how we can look to that for guidance and um for answers you know yeah megan did you want to share first go for it babe okay um you know i I, you the first part you asked is also any experiences like childbirth Mm -hmm. um and then i'll get to the gospel obviously i didn't go through childbirth um as (laughs) megan did however you know, I, I think of two experiences that were within a week's time for me were very eye-opening. Uh, the first one, I was I was in Iraq, uh, just outside of Mosul during the height of ISIS, and I was with uh, the Yazidis and the Kurds and the Muslims and the Christians and all these different groups that were kind of together, um, all devastated by ISIS. I mean, spending time with those who have had family members killed, 
and kidnapped and all their finances gone and, and, and literally family members beheaded and everything pillaged. I mean, absolute utter horror and devastation. And and this was a real defining moment for me. I was talking with a a, a Kurd named Walid, who was a believer, um, and he lost everything. And he's living in this refugee camp, and that is so horrifyingly sad. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in the middle of a war zone. Like, that day, we went through a road where 20 people got bombed right where we were. Like, we saw the ambulances. We saw the smoke. I'm in the war zone. And so this is the environment we, we're in. But, yeah, I'm talking to this guy named Walid, and I asked him, I said, what, like, how do you feel about ISIS? You know, they've taken everything from you. And his response, like, it was bone chilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first his countenance, it was joy. You could see that he's worked through a lot of the trauma at this point. And he just said, you know, once I lost everything, I finally saw that the gospel was everything. And Jesus was everything. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, up until that point, I thought I had all these other things, you know, that I belonged to and that mattered to me. When everything was stripped away and Jesus was all I had left, I finally found a joy I searched for my whole life. And then he said this statement, which, which uh, you know, Megan even wrote this into one of her songs. He said, mm-hmm. this is how I know we're going to win this war against this division, against this hatred, because forgiveness is always stronger than killing. Hmm. And it just shook me. Forgiveness is always stronger than killing. Hmm. Forgiveness is our war. It's like, I forgive ISIS. I forgive what they've done. I I forgive how they've destroyed my family. I'm like, how can you sincerely do that? And he says, because it's the gospel. It's Jesus. And the next week, I'm in the Congo, right? It's the poorest country in the world. And and I'm not there being, you know, Mr. White Savior. That's a conversation for another podcast. That's not my approach (laughs) at all. I mean, I'm I'm empowering the people by being with them in their homes, asking questions, serving them. But in in this time, I'm also surrounded, it's right next to Rwanda, spending time with people devastated by the Rwandan genocide. And if you talk about, like, two cultures that hated each other and committed mass, mass genocide, I mean, it was a tragedy. And it is still, you know, affecting several nations today. And I got to sit with the people that experienced that from the hatred from two different cultures that reached boiling point and tipping point. Mm-hmm. And they had the same conclusion that they did in, in Iraq about ISIS. It was we finally got to the point of we, we're either going to kill everybody or we're going to choose forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, as a country, we saw enough blood. We saw enough war. We collectively on both sides once once hated each other, saying we, we just want to choose to forgive. And a great healing came over the land, but it came at a great cost. And, and, and I say that to say, man, I, I pray, I pray, I pray that we will not get to that point in America, that, that this will be a tipping point where we see mm-hmm. I don't want to hate my black brother and I don't want to hate my white brother. Mm-hmm. We don't need a, only a black voice, only a white voice, but it's a unified voice. And getting back to your question, Jordan, it is it has to be the gospel. In fact, the only answer is the gospel. And and I, I don't even want to speak on my my own accord. I, I want, I'll quote someone I really respect. His name is Dr. John Perkins. Uh, he's been working as a practitioner, a, a black gentleman. Um, he's 88 or so years old, and he's working on biblical reconciliation his whole life. 
Um, and Jordan, if that's okay, can I just read yeah, just an absolutely. excerpt from his latest book? Because I just I, I thought it was so profound. Mm. And and I, I want I want to soak and listen from people who don't just speak about it, but who have lived it mm-hmm. and have walked in. And he's this guy. And so here's what he says. As I come closer to the end of my journey, I'm aware that community development can only take us so far because this is a gospel issue. Hmm. The problem of reconciliation in our country and in our churches is much too big to be wrestled to the ground by plans that begin in the minds of men. This is a God-sized problem. It is one that only the church through the power of the Holy Spirit can heal. It requires the quality of love that only our Savior can provide, and it requires that we make some uncomfortable confessions. Mm-hmm. G.K. Chester, Chesterton said, It isn't that they can't see the solution, it's that they can't see the problem. I believe this statement can be applied to the lack of re- reconciliation within the church today. We've not been able to arrive at the solution because we haven't, been, we haven't seen or acknowledged the problem. The problem is that there is a gaping hole in our gospel. We have preached a gospel that leaves us believing that we can be reconciled to God, but not reconciled to our Christian brothers and sisters who don't look like us, brothers and sisters with whom we are, in fact, one blood. The Apostle John talks about that if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Mm -hmm. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We've taken out these key parts reconciliation and the requirement for justice essential and crucial parts of the gospel for most of my life i've been working hard to help fill this deep gaping hole by insisting that we admit to these some of these hard truths and he goes on to say that biblical reconciliation is the removal of tension between parties and the restoration of loving relationship with one another and he says that um, a path back to the experience of pentecost the acts 2 church this glorious message of salvation in their own languages, in their own cultures, that was reconciliation at its very best, and it's a beautiful picture. Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So awesome. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I don't know where to begin. Why don't you start, hon? <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say, like, he, he was really just echoing um, a lot of the, a lot of what I was thinking. Maybe he, you were echoing what he was thinking. <laughs> Well, I, I hadn't heard that until today. Yeah. But I, um, and I, I had shared this with you guys earlier. Um, but this morning when I was, um, just in my quiet time prayer, um, you know, apart from what I said earlier about, you know, loving your neighbor and acknowledging your neighbor, I, I think it's so crucial at this time that we don't, like, like he said, like have a hu- like put a human solution mm-hmm. on this problem mm-hmm. where the only cure is the gospel. And I think as a society, our, our society is, doesn't want to hear that because it, it forces mm-hmm. you to admit, well, I'm sinful. Mm-hmm. All of us are. Mm-hmm. There's not one good, like not one good person. And to just to get to that starting point, is such a leap for so many people because it's like, well, I'm, I'm not that bad, but in, in reality, we, we can't appreciate the depth of the gospel until we see our own depravity. Hmm. And I, I think that's what this has, um, exposed, exposed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
on on just a, a really broad scale and has forced us to turn and look and say, okay, you know, I I think there's going to be people that continue to say, well, we need X, Y, and Z. And none of it matters without the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's all going to fall short because it doesn't address the issue of the heart. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And I want, I want to hear some from, from Megan too, because I know you have some great nuggets for this too. Um, and, but one quick thing, when we say the gospel, I think people could hear a hundred different things. So in a moment, I think it'd be really good if I can just give a, a broad stroke of what Jesus means and what God means for the good news from Genesis to Revelation. Because I think if we can put some tangible legs to that of God's plan for the nations, God's plan for the cultures, yeah. I think it could be really eye-opening and a light bulb moment for people that's more than just uh, Jesus forgave my sins, which is true and beautiful, but, but why did he do that? Mm. Un, unto what and what for? And and so I think, uh, you know, there's so many people that are speaking right theology. I mean, they, people spoke good theology during during the, the slave days in the 1800s, but there's a difference between good theology and good functional theology. Mm. And unfortunately, there's people with good doctrines, and so they were essentially being good demons. Mm. You know, and, and that's what we want to avoid. We want to we need to reconcile good theology with good daily functional consistent walking it out mm. theology. Yeah. The gospel and practice. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer? Upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50-80% to less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. I'm like, these are incredible. (laughs) Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. 
I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Yeah, I did have some, some thoughts that yeah, go I for feel it. like pertain to exactly what you said. And, um, you know, as Christ followers, if we're going to believe the gospel and receive the gospel, then, you know, that makes us a disciple. And I'm just reminded of what a disciple is. And, um, you know, in the word, it says that a disciple is one who hears the word, who believes it in their heart and who bears much fruit. And part of what Jesus said in, um, you know, the, the book of John is that, you know, bearing fruit through the power of the Holy Spirit, his, the first, one of the first commands that he gives us is to love the way that he has loved us. And yeah, I think we do like in order to love other people, the way that Jesus has loved us, we need to see the fact that Jesus loved us when we were unlovable. Mm. He, he loved us when, you know, we at one point had completely rejected him and his goodness and his justness and the, the gift that he had in his hands, you know, wide open for us to just receive, um, for us. And, and I think, and also just after he says that to, to love others, the way that he has loved us, he, he says to abide in his love, but he also says, um, you know, he continues to say that, greater love is is this that you know you are willing to lay down your life for a friend mm. you know and yeah. i beautiful it is such a beautiful picture of um of yeah just the gospel in practice mm. yeah you know yeah and it's so very true. very challenging like i i got to be honest it's very challenging and and Zach and i we were also talking too about um you know, just Jesus's example of that, you know, when he approached the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who was of a completely different, you could say race who had done all sorts of sinful things. Mm-hmm. And yet she was the very first person that Jesus revealed, you know, himself as the Messiah. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it just, it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. but to me like that's just such a beautiful picture of love and of grace Mm. and um same with the the way that jesus approached the demoniac man and completely you know a man who was completely cast out from society and who was feared and who 
just was a very, very scary person. And yet Jesus wasn't scared of him and he loved him and he freed him and broke all of his chains mm-hmm. and set that man free. And then, and then use that same man to go and share his story with not just his little town, but 10 cities, the Decapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, we could just go on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's challenging for us because that will take us one looking at our own hearts, <laughs> mm-hmm. our own simple hearts, but also having, you know, eyes to see other people that are different from us yeah. with eyes of love and, um, passion and, and seeing that, you know, God created them with purpose. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind if I ask a question kind of to follow that up? Go for it. Um, so we, we had talked about this a little bit on the phone, but this is, um, a question that I've seen kind of floating around. And I think it relates to Zach, kind of what you were saying about putting legs to this and what God's plan for us as people and the cultures are, and Megan kind of a lot of into speaking into a lot of what you've shared. Um, I've seen people say things like God is colorblind. He sees us all the same or, you know, um, or I'm colorblind. I see everyone the same. And I've also simultaneously seen how that hurts sometimes um, or Mm. is often said to be inaccurate. So I would love if you could speak into um, that a little bit from your perspective and also just from a perspective of a kingdom, a kingdom lens and the truth to that, because I think there is some confusion around it. And from when we've talked before, you've really shared that well. Yeah, Megan, how how do you feel when people say when they see you, they don't see color and then I can give a more broad stroke (laughs) to to be honest i i understand where they're they're coming from Mm -hmm. and i think you know i see the heart in that um but i also kind of think it's silly because (laughs) no Mm -hmm. no one is colorblind i mean i even my sweet little precious innocent child Malia, who's six years old, or even Natalie, who's mm-hmm. four, like they see color and they, they see differences in people. And we mm-hmm. talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, if a child can see that, then I mean, certainly, um, people can, and I just talking about having a, a kingdom lens and how God sees people. Um, Zach, I think you have a really beautiful answer to this, but I just choose to believe that, um, one, I will say that I, love my brown skin. I am proud to be a black woman. I think it's beautiful. I also think that, you know, my husband's white skin is very attractive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And my <laughs> children with this like creamy, you know, latte colored skin is beautiful. <laughs> and I would like to think that God thinks the same. Mm-hmm. And I believe that everything God does is on purpose and mm-hmm. in not only is on purpose, but has purpose and is intentional. Mm -hmm. God doesn't make accidents. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do anything by mistake. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is so much more beauty. I understand what people are saying when they say, oh, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. I love everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all the same. But, you know, part of me being black is also, um, you know, that I have a unique story because of that. Mm -hmm. Right. It it, it almost like... When you say that, it almost says like, yeah, I don't really care about your story. Yeah, it, it does a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's usually not always, but usually the right heart with the wrong message, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, yeah. and because it is unintentionally discrediting the beauty and the uniqueness in which God made it. And, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to kind of paint this a little bit more scripturally, it, it's beautiful. Like God intentionally created cultures and, and the proper word biblically is ethne. It never talks about mm-hmm. races. It's, it's ethne, it's people groups. And because we all come from Adam, we all come from one man, we all come from one race uh, and we're the human race, but there is intentional ethne. And in Genesis chapter 12, it's called the table of nations. And there's these 72 original nations. And so now there's thousands and I'm not talking geopolitical, I'm talking ethne, uh, people groups. And now there's thousands and thousands of people groups with their own uniquenesses and differences. And, and God's plan all throughout scripture is not to make them all one conglomerate, one big culture. It's this harmony, this symphony of every culture singing its song through the kingdom lens of Jesus being reconciled to God. And it's just like, it'd be weird if my entire body was a bunch of noses mm-hmm. or a bunch of feet. <laughs> that would be weird. You know, like, we, it Great. Would be, now I'm not going to be able to sleep it, tonight, it, Zach. Oh, yeah. But it, I mean, it's exceptionally strange and, and honestly dumb. Mm-hmm. And God is I so wise. I the fact you use symphony as your active. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and so, like, God is, like, conducting this song, you know, to mm. go along with that, that metaphor. And and if we all were playing the same note, it would be so boring. Yeah. But God created in such a way where we, we actually need one another, mm-hmm. um, you know, at every level. And you see this, like, even in my marriage with Megan and you, Matt, and Jordan, like, we're mm-hmm. both very different from each other. Mm-hmm. And it would actually be harder if we were all the same. But because we're different, my weaknesses are balanced by Megan's strengths. Mm-hmm. So God in his wisdom showed us this at the simplest level. And then you go to like, wow, our community is diverse Mm -hmm. and we need to acknowledge our weaknesses and acknowledge our strengths and vice versa. And then that goes out to the greater level of the city and the nations from the original 72 ethnates, now the thousands of ethne, seeing the beauty that God created this tapestry of color and the symphony of notes that is working together for a common vision goal that God has set forth from the beginning that he will fulfill when he's coming back. Like it, mm. the more you actually look wow. at it, you're just in awe and in mm-hmm. wonder yeah. of the wisdom of God. Mm. I love that. Yeah. yeah it, it, and, and in the, in that symphony and to go with the, the metaphor of, you know, the body of Christ, it's like the, the hand doesn't say to the foot, like you're useless. Mm-hmm. Like, right. cause I'm, I'm a hand I'm, you know, and, and the hand's identity in the body is not taking pride in itself, but taking pride in its where it is in the body mm-hmm. and its function yeah. in the body mm-hmm. and for the edification of the body. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was really praying through. I'm like, I, I just pray that, you know, we don't like the pendulum doesn't swing so far in the other direction that we forget our original identity as a child of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, you know, you see across the political spectrum, across the cultural, the, the cultural backgrounds. It's like, if, if your identity isn't as a child of God, first and foremost, you're going to look for your identity in other communities. It's, it's natural. We're, we are a communal 
species, if you will. We're, we're communal beings. We are, it is not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to encourage those listening, like, don't forget that. And, but also let's celebrate those differences that make us unique, unique yeah. and mm-hmm. make the church Amen. so beautiful. Mm-hmm. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation mm-hmm. all singing, yeah. holy, holy is the lamb. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. So let's let's make it happen right now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think what you said is. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Zach. No, go go for it, Jordan. I was just gonna kind of echo what you said, hon. I think it's kind of, well, kind of what you said about um, right heart, wrong message it, when it comes to this like colorblind, we're all the same concept. Um, I think there we all are of equal value right? In our own unique way. And so to turn an eye to the uniqueness or not celebrate the specific differences, I think does do a disservice, right? Um, But at the same time, keeping a mindset of grounding our identity in in a rooted eternal perspective so that we don't begin to almost have this divide right to where it's like well this is how i identify so this is where i'm at and we can start to look for identities from the world right and where we're being validated and i think that's where um it's just an important conversation to have it's how do we understand god's design how do we celebrate that how do we celebrate the unique differences how do we learn about those and honor those and respect those like you had said earlier zach finding the beauty in that um without losing sight of our ultimate kingdom identity as we're in the mix of the world and and experiencing the tensions and experiencing the pain and experiencing the strife and the challenges that come with with those also simultaneously beautiful amazing unique differences so yeah and and yeah to to go off what you were saying earlier zach it it goes the the entire other way like if you're just proud to be an american and you identify as american Mm -hmm. It's like no, no, no. Hold on, you're 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 a child of God. Mm-hmm. Like we are, we are, we serve a kingdom that's not of this world. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's something that's across the board. I don't want to just make it solely a, a race thing, a, yeah. as about race. Right. There, there's so many different ways that we can seek to identify ourselves. Right. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. like let let's celebrate the fact that we we live in this country. Right. It's not heaven. It. It's still yeah. it's still very flawed, mm-hmm. as we've witnessed uh, this past week and weeks prior. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just keeping that eternal perspective. Like, yeah. who am I serving? And am I like, it, it, it's it's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> how many problems would be solved if we just did those two things? <laughs> it, it's so true, though. Like, it's it's that happening. If there's, there's like 82 one another's in the Bible, pray for one another, serve mm-hmm. one another, encourage one another, uh, you know, edify one another, all these one another's, which is essentially loving one another played out in all the different scenarios. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we actually practice the solution from the groundswell of everybody right where you are with whatever's in your hand, whoever you're around beginning to engage and practice the one another's at the simplest level. And then what we talked about earlier, that time, just like in the trenches, whether it's soldiers or football or whatever, the, the ingredients was, was time was relationship and was consistency, mm, yeah. you know, and, and those things really boiling together, the one another's begin to take place and those, and those relationships deepen mm. and, so talking about the image of God, if you guys are okay with that, I, I think what could be really helpful for the listeners 
it was just when we talked about the gospel and that being the you know the the solution and getting back to the problem um i would love just even just to submit to the listeners and to you guys just a really brief overview of that because i think it could be really helpful and practical yeah, yeah please do yeah that that would be that'd be so awesome and, and before i do just but also you know I, i'm definitely proud to be an american no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But if that's ever above my identity in Jesus, Matt said this, you know, to me earlier today, that, that now that has become an idol. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's so important, people ask, well, what political party are you? And you can just get in the weeds so fast. And, and so my answer genuinely, because this is actually how I live. I, it's not just a, a, a quip that I say. I say, I, I think we should be the biggest advocates and ambassadors from the country we're from. And I'm a citizen of heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't just say that, like I live that out and I mean that I'm, I want to bring that kingdom wherever I go, mm. that domain, wherever I go. And, and Jesus is just so amazing. Like he's better than we think. And there's one prayer in John 17. It's my favorite passage in the Bible. It's the one time where Jesus is praying for you. Mm. I just think about that for a second. Mm. It's the one part where Jesus prays for you. And you know what he prays for? He prays that we would be one mm. with God and one with one another. It's wild. Mm. John 17, 21 through 23, it says uh, in paraphrase that when we're one with God and one with one another, then the world will know that he sent his son. So there's something massive and critical at stake here that the gospel isn't just being reconciled to God. It's also being reconciled to one another and that when we're doing that unity well, it will cause people to repent and to come to Jesus. Mm. And when we don't and when we don't do that well, then the world won't know. Mm. Jesus prayed that like that was his heart for us. And he lived that out. And he even said, if a seed doesn't die, it cannot bear fruit. Mm-hmm. So so. Right here where we are, and I'll I'll get back to the big picture here in a second, I don't have the answers to all the very deeply muddy things in our culture and the black community. I I come humbly with way, way, way more questions and answers, and there's some people who are handling that really well. One person in particular, Jonathan Tremaine Thomas, an amazing friend of of mine working in Ferguson, Missouri, on the front grounds for years now, a movement called Civil Righteousness. I highly encourage you to look that up. I can't come with those perspectives. I can't get into those those deeply important, uh, uh, you know, ground level questions. I, I'm just I can't do it. But what I can do, what I want to submit to you is is to step back for a second, to take a thirty thousand foot view of this macro picture of trying to ask some of the right questions. Some of the questions being, what is God's plan for the nations? What is God's plan? For every culture, what is God's plan for every ethnic group in humanity? And if we can begin to see this big plan and begin to ask those questions, we can we can begin to get to some of those answers, like Jesus's prayer that we would be one, that that we know that we've passed from death to life by the way that we love one another. They're all connected. Hmm. And and Matt and Jordan, I'm sure you know this verse. Like you can quote it to me, right? If I say the first part of it, "Be still." Hmm. What's the next part? And know that I am God. And know that I am God. But people forget that that's not the end of the verse. Mm. It goes on to say, and I will be exalted in all the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And that's the same type of prayer that Jesus was praying. That'd be still a no. That word no is the same word yada from Genesis where it said Adam knew Eve and had a son. Mm. 
It's this mm-hmm. intimately experiential knowing that when we experience and know God and we are one with him, that the world will know him and he will be mm-hmm. praised in all the earth. So like I, I, I start with those two things from God's heart in all the nations and Jesus praying for unity to go back to Genesis. So let's just take a little journey with me. This is going to be, you know, uh, to all those listening, this is going to be the fastest flyover of Genesis to Revelation that you've ever heard. <laughs> but I promise you, I, I've, I've done this so many times. When I heard this for the first time, uh, I I was so stunned. I was so shocked. that I'm like, why have I never heard this? This The light bulb has just started going on. So I just pray, even as I share this to you, that it would unlock something in your heart towards the heart of God, towards ethnic groups, towards the nations, and towards your brothers and sisters right next to you. So Matt talked about the image of God, right? So in Genesis 1, uh, you you have God beginning to create. Like it's, he's, he's breathing and stars are coming out and the earth is formed. And you get the water and animals and he gets the, the pinnacle of his creation. And the pinnacle of his creation is man. And we know that it's man because it says God created man in his own image. So one man, Adam, one woman, Eve, he creates in his image. We all come from these two people, and we are all made in God's image. But then it says something so important. As the image of God, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So guys, this is Jesus or God's first time speaking to humanity. These are important words. And he's saying, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. Is he really just saying, is he really just saying, go have babies? Hmm. Or is it something more deeper, more beautiful than that? This beginning of the tapestry. Right. So look at this. The image of God, he is saying to be fruitful and multiply over all the earth. He wants to see his image multiplied over all the earth. Well, Adam and Eve, they don't do very well at that. Three chapters in and the image of God is now broken. They commit sin and it, it taints the relationship with God. It tears them apart. And now this image of God is broken and, and you begin to see sin come to the world. Cain and Abel murdering one another, the image of God now being fractured across the world. And that wickedness grew so much that he started over with Noah, you know, saved Noah. And then in, in Genesis 9, you see something that's so similar. He says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Hmm. Guys, it's the, it's the same command. Hmm. No, it's Noah and his sons. And he's saying, be fruitful, multiply, multiply my image over all the earth. So God blessed Adam, God blessed Noah, so that his image would be multiplied throughout the whole earth. And then you get to the table of nations, which I talked about in, in Genesis chapter 10, and it talks about 72 nations. But then a very important passage, Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Why, the Tower of Babel was evil on so many fronts, and we might have many images of why this is bad. But the main reason this is bad is because if you read it, it says, let us make a name for ourselves so that we don't get spread over the whole earth. Mm-hmm. God has given only one command. His one command was be fruitful, multiply, make my name great and fill the earth. They said, let's make our name great mm-hmm. and let's stay right here. Mm-hmm. Anytime that man violates that main command of God to be fruitful, multiply his image over the earth, it, it is catastrophic in its implications. They chose to make a name for themselves, and that's when so many injustices begin to come. Mm. And that's exactly what we see, and those nations begin to be dispersed. This next chapter, Genesis 12, is one of the most pivotal 
uh, transitional points in the whole Bible. It's the call of Abraham. And he says to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Um, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So simply right there, God blessed Abraham, not so that he would create a great nation. We think of this idea of Israel, this Hebrew nation, which come from Abraham of like, that's the Old Testament, right? It's Israel. Well, no, Israel's job was to spread the image of God to every ethnic group, to every tribe. Like God's heart was for the, from the nations from the very beginning. And they didn't do a good job of that. They get exiled to Exodus. And I'm going to start speeding up massively here. And they get pulled out of uh, Egypt from the Exodus. But we see these passages of there's actually Egyptians coming with them. There's some Egyptians that came with them. But we thought it was just Israel, right? Why are mm. they coming? Because God's heart is for every ethnic group. Mm. It's for every people to come to know him. And we see Israel's mission statement, Exodus 19. He calls them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Very simply, a priest is someone who goes to God on behalf of someone else and is someone else on behalf of God, right? Mm. So Israel's job, Israel's mission was to go to the ethnic groups, the nations, people different than them, and bring them, reconcile them back to God. And sometimes they did well at this, but most of the times they did bad at this. And you see, like all the Psalms, it's all about for the nations, the nations that God would be exalted in the nations. And if it wasn't any clearer in Isaiah 56, he just lays it out so clear. And he says, let the foreigners come to my temple. Don't forbid them. My house will be called a house of prayer for all people, for all ethnic. Mm -hmm. and, and then you get to the linchpin of Jesus, as I'm fast-forwarding very rapidly here, right? Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Not just to, not just to give us destination Christianity, to get us to heaven so that we can be self-preserving the rest of our life. He came to restore the image of God, which each and every one of us have. White brothers, black brothers, Asian brothers, Hebrew brothers, everybody. He came to restore this image on the cross when he died for us, forgiving our sins, creating a right relationship with the Father. Like, this is why it's a gospel issue, because what happens next is beautiful. We think when the Great Commission, Jesus is given a new command, when actually it's the same command given in Genesis chapter 1. He said, go make disciples of all nations, literally meaning every ethne, hmm. every ethne. So Jesus is God, and he says, I want you to go make my image of every ethne. That's not a new command, guys. That's the same mm -hmm. one from Genesis 1, Genesis 9, Genesis 12, Exodus 19, all throughout the Psalms, the prophets seeking justice, going to the nations, to Jesus saying, I have restored the image of God. I have provided forgiveness of sins. Go, therefore, and make disciples my image in every nation. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what they did. And time, in time they did it poorly, right? Peter went to the Gentiles, and when Paul showed up, he started seg like segregating the Jews from the Gentiles, and Peter or Paul stood up and said to him, because of the gospel, I'm going to publicly rebuke you because you are separating the Jews from the Gentiles. Hmm. Jesus grafted the Gentiles in because his heart from the beginning was for unity of all the peoples, this symphony, this tapestry of people, and he calls us the same thing he called Israel, a royal priesthood. 
Now we are each ambassadors going to our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters, the nations, the ethne, to sit at their tables, to know their families, to know their names, to reconcile them back to God and with one another. Mm -hmm. And if this were true, then we'll see a future picture of this, which Matt alluded to earlier in Revelation, and that's exactly what we see. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from every tribe and every people and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. So the quick summary, guys, is so simple. God blessed us to bless and reconcile every people group so that we can all together with one voice as one body praise god so what's the driving force behind biblical reconciliation it's the mission of god it's the plan of god that one day every nation every single image of god would be the brother and sister singing the full symphony praise to jesus that's my driving force that's the driving mm -hmm. force behind knowing one another practicing the one another's as matt was talking about earlier so i just want to submit that to you as like this biblical rationale of the macro picture that the gospel itself is the issue. And it looks like us being mobilized to go to our brothers and sisters and them coming to us to, to be the image of God and to spread the image of God. Hmm. So thank wow. you for letting me share that. I know that's a lot, but I, I feel like hopefully that can paint a picture of, of the, the macro issue here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, so, I know. I'm just like, well, I need to, I am digesting a lot, but it was so good and so clear and true. And Megan, I would just love to hear from you when you, you know, as we're kind of processing just that picture and truth, what do you, what do you, from your perspective, how does this look in practice for us? And what does this look like going forward? Mm. That is so good. I feel like that's like one of the big questions, mm -hmm. right? Is, yeah. What do we do with this, with this truth? And, um, I gotta be honest with you. I don't even necessarily feel like, um, I have all the good, you know, answers to that question. And, um, I certainly, you know, cannot speak on behalf of um, the entire black race or, you know, anything like that. Um, cause I'm, I'm just one woman with <laughs> my own unique experiences, but, um, yeah, I, I do think that, I don't know. I, I find that it's very interesting, um, that the verse that I've been meditating on recently, um, because it's one that I wrote a little melody to for my kids to memorize mm -hmm. is first um, Corinthians 13, you know, the, the love chapter mm -hmm. and exactly what love is. And um, I think that it very simply explains, you know, what that can look like. And it just, it says love is patient 
It is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Mm. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. It always trusts. It hopes. And it perseveres. Mm. (laughs) That's the one that I feel like is so hard. Mm. And then it says love never fails. And I think that it just all has to come down to to love and um, again kind of like what I was saying earlier is um, you know we, the only way that we can love is by recognizing that Jesus loved us first mm-hmm. like it literally says on the Bible we love because he first loved us and so I think we need to recognize um, how far Jesus went to display his love for us by going to the cross Mm-hmm. Um, and taking on a punishment that we deserved and taking our place. And then I think receiving that love and lo- allowing his love to transform our hearts, to lead us to repentance, to lead us to seeing, you know, any type of sin that might be in our heart, any type of prejudices, any mm-hmm. type of grudges that we might be holding on to or anger that we might have towards our brother or sister, um, any type of division that we might be allowing take place and take root in our heart and confessing that to the Lord and allowing him to just completely wash us, completely wash us clean. Um, I think it's only then that we will be able to love the way that Jesus calls us to love. And so, um, you know, I just looking at Jesus and his example, um, he he did he he always sought out the the outcast like mm-hmm. um the, the children like i just i love that story of of when he is like out and he's teaching and there are all these people that are coming to hear what he has to say and then when the children came it was like you know his disciples were rebuking the children and all this stuff and then and jesus is like puts them in his pl- in their place right and mm-hmm. and he goes no let the little children come to me and um so i I think one way that we can love is actually by um, is by stepping outside of our comfort zones mm-hmm. and meeting people where they are and engaging in, you know, having conversations and meeting other people's needs when you see just any type of, of brokenness or needs around you, mm-hmm. doing your best to to come alongside mm-hmm. and to enter into that brokenness and, um, you know, just d- displaying love in the same way that you would want someone to treat you, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's like, a, that's actually a really good place to start mm-hmm. is just thinking, okay, how, you know, if I was going through this or that, mm-hmm. how would I want somebody to Respond. treat me in this situation? Yeah. yeah. And then do that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, don't, don't make light of the power of prayer. Mm. Oh my goodness. Like prayer is not only a gift that God has given us, you know, as his children um, to be able to talk to our heavenly father, but also to hear from him. But prayer is a weapon. And, you know, I, I think we, we've mentioned this, but 
the battle that we are up against, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against, I, I mean, spiritual things, principalities. And there's a lot at play that we cannot see. But when we pray, when we worship, when we sing, when we praise, when we cry out to God, uh, you know, that's when I, I believe that um, God is able to move. Mm. And so uh, pray more. Mm. <laughs> Ask people how you can be praying for them specifically. Yeah. Mm, you know? Good. Yeah. Thank you so for sharing those are that. Just a couple things. No, yeah. That's great. That's really great. Uh, man, I, I have so many thoughts, but I'm, I'm just going to open the floor. Does anyone else have any final thoughts or challenges or Megan, you had shared a challenge with us earlier. Um, and I think you're just calling us higher, um, with a kingdom lens yeah. and, um, feel free to share anything else, but anybody else have any thoughts? That was, I'll give just, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that that was phenomenal. Yeah. I, I think just to add to what Megan is saying, as far as like actionable steps, um, one like this, this is, has to be a lifestyle and we have to want it, right? Mm. Like we, we actually have to want to see unity. We have to want to see reconciliation. So that's the first thing is like, pray, if you don't have that hunger, like pray to God and repent for not even, you know, intentionally seeking out unity because the enemy is at play here. Mm wanting to several things right like he he wants us to keep he wants to keep us divided and pitted against mm -hmm. one another but ultimately the enemy wants god's plan of unity of the nations to be forever broken mm -hmm. you know and and so we have to actually want to see god's plan happen which drives us from a motive level to love one another and it's at the micro level i you know, i i used to work for a pro-life organization one thing that god always drove into my heart was change laws don't change hearts hmm. will it be great if we have uh you know laws change absolutely i hope to see it i want to see it. i want to see justice i want to see justice for george floyd i want to see the the, in the the very you know some corrupt justice uh for the black community to to really come to fruition but change laws ultimately won't change the way that people view one another hmm. And so we have to want that. We need to pray for one another. And also our validation doesn't come from the consistency of the posts in our timelines, but the consistency of the people at our tables. Mm, that's, wow. that's, come on. that's, that's, that's big. Like we and need to open up our hearts. Tables, yeah. Yeah. Say, say that one more time, just in case people miss we it. We just need to drop that mic at, again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And this is huge because I'm sure so many people that are listening to this, you feel pressure that, if you don't post it, then it's not true. Mm. And and that is just, it's, it's such a farce. One, like if hear from God and if he's telling you to post something, do it. But I'm telling you from my own lifestyle, I'm living out much of what I'm not posting because I know that's real. The real work is it's. And, mm. and so it's not about the validation doesn't come from the consistency of the posts on your timeline, but the consistency yeah. of the people at your table. Yes. Do that again and again and again and again, and then encourage all those who come with you to do it again and again and again and again. And you create this snowball effect of neighbors loving neighbors and people enjoying and getting to know one another at micro levels mm. because macro, changing macro problems takes so much time. Mm. But what we can do tangibly at the micro levels is to open up our tables 
to have the conversations and then to encourage others to go and to do that same thing. Mm. And it's exactly like what we had been talking about earlier this week, Zach, and I, I share this as well with my audience, but um, it's, it's caught, not taught, which, which is exactly what you're saying. Mm. You know, it's, it's being and doing, not just saying mm. right. <laughs> and stating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really like, that's even, I always go back to, you know, parenting because that's what I experience every single day, but, um, it, gosh, parenting is such a, a gift. I'm so yeah. Um, but I just see how, what our children, how they live, what they think it's not even necessarily, you know, me seeing them down the table and, you know, telling them how they should obey or what they should, you know, do or how they should live. But it's really, they are following in my footsteps and how I am living my life and modeling Hmm. what it looks like to most importantly be a Christ follower. And so, yeah, that just goes for, for anything. Mm -hmm. So good. I think it's, um, uh, we live in this very unique time where I, I mean, both, both Matt and I have talked a lot about this is, a little bit of conviction on, you know, there is that strange experience that we, that we're living in where there's a, you know, the, it seems like there's so much pressure to talk the talk. And I think what I've been convicted on is, but what does that look like long-term, right? And um, from a walking the walk in practice perspective where it may not be seen as much, it may not be praised, it may not be, you know, um, kind of like what you said, Zach, like a social media activism constantly. But if it's a if it's a lifestyle activism constantly and there will be times yes. that is shared. Yes. But I think if there's an incongruency um, or an inconsistency between, oh, well, I've got to just do this because this is what's, you know, expected mm-hmm. or trending. what's trending or what's, you know, whatever popular. It's it's missing the mark completely. I think that's the secondary yeah. That's the secondary piece, but I think so often we can jump to the secondary piece because it's what's seen and it's what's approved. I'm not saying that piece isn't important at times, right? Um, but if that's where we're ending, I think that's where we're missing the mark, and that's where I feel like I want to caution all of us, um, especially you know any of any of us listening, feeling that like oh, I just don't know, what, I don't know how to respond, and I've felt that too. You know, I think we all have in one way or another. But I think the the challenge here is to respond with action and with commitment, not just with words or pictures, if that makes sense. Yeah. So and and Jesus even said himself that he only would do what he, you know, heard the father telling him to do. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think a lot of times we can get very, very confused as to what we're supposed to do when we start listening to a bunch of different voices, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I know personally that I get very confused when I, when I do that. Well, that's because we're not supposed to do that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's so stinking good, babe. I, I, I affirm that so much because there are a billion voices going at us right now to tell us what to do, what to think. Right. Let me just encourage all of us, plead with you. There's so many voices, but there's only one voice we need to hear, and it's the Father's voice. And I promise you, he will always lead you towards 
reconciliation. He will always lead you towards unity. He will always lead you towards serving your brothers and sisters and using and leveraging everything you have to benefit and serve other people. He will always lead you on the right path. It's one of the most faithful things we can do right now is go to God and say, my head is spinning and drowning with words and with voices. Can you please speak to me, Father? Mm -hmm. I need to hear from you. And I promise Mm -hmm. you when you take that time to listen, He'll tell you things, and I just encourage you when he speaks to you, just go do it. Yes, immediately. Mm, That's good. That's good. Woo, you guys, what a good conversation. Such Mm. a necessary conversation. Thanks for being willing to talk through hard things with us, especially in a public platform. I mean, I know we have these conversations in our own lives, but to be able and willing to open up and share that with, with this community is a blessing. And we're just so thankful for both of you truly. I mean, your influence, the work you're doing overseas and domestically and in your family and your household and even in our local community and in our lives. I mean, we have learned so much. I think I couldn't even begin to put into words, but we have learned so much from both of you. Um, and it's a blessing truly. So, and, and it's a blessing to get to share the blessing that you are with our community. So we're just so full of gratitude. We love you guys so, so much with all that we are. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thanks so much. We love guys. you guys so much. Yeah, it's, it's mutual. <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys, to everyone listening, thanks for sticking with us. If you've stuck with us to this point, we felt this was a very important conversation. Um, we're going to make sure that we tag Megan and Zach's pages. If you want to just get to know them as people, I hope that's okay, guys. Um, but we just, you know, are, thankful for i guess i hope that's okay i didn't really ask your permission to send <laughs> everybody to your page it's, it's, it's all good <laughs> but um you guys megan and zach are our blessings as we've already shared with them be sure to share this with friends if you feel like you have had conversations with friends this week who have felt very conflicted confused overwhelmed hurt all of the above um, there's a lot of emotions there's a lot of voices and we just wanted to bring a gospel-centered kingdom-minded perspective to this whole thing J- zach said it really well when we were not recording but he said um sometimes we're really good at identifying problems but not very good at finding solutions and we thought you know what as humans we can try to put so many human solutions to things and the answer is always to go back to god and we just wanted to encourage you with that so thank you for listening thank you for hanging with us um yeah That's pretty much all we got for you today. See you guys. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. 
Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.